welcome to another edition of Packy Chat, episode number 22, I do believe. Hard to believe we're still going after a year, 22 episodes in the books. Uh, as always, thanks a ton for everyone that listens, follows, supports us. We really appreciate it. Keep the questions and comments coming. Uh, this week, we uh, this month, we uh, once again grabbed a topic that was sent to us, and we appreciate it. Um, before I go any further, I always have to thank our patrons. Uh, if you have the ability to support us that way, check out uh, patreon.com backslash packychat. If you can support us uh, through being a Patreon, uh, awesome. If you can't, that's cool too. Uh, if you want to support us, then just listen, give us a like, uh, tell a friend, get other people in your barn to listen. Uh, the more the merrier. We appreciate it. Have any comments for us? Send us a email at packychatpodcast at gmail dot com. Follow us on Facebook. Send us a message that way. Whatever, get your message. We're easy to get a hold of. Uh, but thanks, thanks everyone that listens. Thanks everyone that sent comments, questions in uh, when we asked for them a couple weeks ago. This week we took one right off of uh, right out of the books. Someone asked about. Uh, hiring and interviews and who we like to hire and how we assess people that we hire and interview and whatnot. So a little off topic as far as uh, we're not talking about the big gray things. Uh, this week we're talking about kind of getting into the, the barns to take care of those big gray things. Uh, uh, I think a lot of the people that listen to us um, either are in a position to hire or are in a position where they might want to interview somewhere else. So hopefully um, people find this somewhat useful. And again, as I, you know, we say all the time, this is just uh, the four of us and our opinions and what's worked for us and things we've done to have success over the years. Um, don't like what we say. I appreciate and uh, respect that. That's fine. Uh, we're not trying to change anyone's mind or push an agenda. It's just us talking about things that, uh, we can relate to. So, uh, thanks for listening, following, and uh, I guess we'll just kind of dig into it. Thanks. Uh, as far as a resume, I, I just make sure it's organized. Again, I don't necessarily hire off experience. We hire off our, we have core, three core competencies, which is resilience, serve others, and hungry. So those are the three things that we look for in every employee. So every team member. So when we go through resumes or we do interviews or we do anything, those are the three things that we look for in an employee. And then we also cater our interviews, in-person interviews, Zoom interviews, all of that around those three core competencies. So um, when we first started this elephant team, we all sat down and said, what are the traits that we want to see in any team member, and we tease that out into three three uh, core competencies. Anything more than that is just a waste of time. So, um, whatever the three things that reflect your program the most, or what you want your program to look like the most, should be your three competencies. And then again, we hire off of that. So, um, you know, if you're looking to to know if somebody's you know hungry, you know, you can ask a self-motivating question or something like that so yeah i mean so we're, we're similar i mean uh and this has evolved because i mean i think you base that off of the ideal team player stuff mm -hmm. right yeah of course and and so do we we didn't change it very much i mean we use a lot of those 
same uh, interview questions from the ideal team player, the hungry, humble, smart stuff. Um, he's got that yeah. workbook that asks the questions that are kind of outside of the box, you yeah. know, and it's more for us, it's more about team fit than, than anything. I don't care how much experience you have or what you might bring to the table skill wise. If you don't fit with the team, you're going to be more cancerous than you are, you know, beneficial. So that's where, that's kind of what we do. But as far as looking at a resume, you know, I, I, I look for, because people know how to fudge and kind of bullshit through a resume and, and even interviews. And so for me, it's, uh, it's, spelling grammar and completion um you know i had somebody once and that sent me a cover letter to another job opening at another zoo <laughs> yeah i've had that happen too it's crazy <laughs> um you know so that's an automatic no for me if you don't have the attention to detail to even get off on the right foot i don't bother with it uh so i mean resume stuff i like to see you know people that have real life experience too. Uh, school, the education is great, but if they've had jobs that they've had to work at, anyone that works in the food industry, especially fast food, and has done it for more than a few months, knows how to deal with people pretty well and put up with bullshit. Uh, people in the ag business, farmers, you know, work, did stuff with farms, no hard work. Those are things that, that catch my attention, at least in, in get the conversation going past just uh, on paper to maybe an actual interview. Yeah, I, I go off the cover letter a lot too. I mean, what the person has to say in their cover letter um, because that's kind of how I get to know them as a person. Cause like you said, I'm gonna hire somebody off of their personality and if they're a team fit, not necessarily cause they have so many X many years of experience. So the cover letter for me is actually sometimes more important than the resume because I wanna know like who you are and what you're gonna kind of bring to the table. For me, a cover letter is that person's opportunity on paper to sell themselves. Um, so that's why I read it. I read every cover letter for sure. Um, and if you don't get past the cover letter, then I don't even look at your resume. And I agree with you guys too, is that, um, you know, experience is not to be all and end all, especially for me as well. You know, you can, you can teach them stuff they don't know, but it's hard to teach them not to be an asshole. You know, if, um, personality-wise, they don't fit in and they could have all the experience in the world, but it's not going to be a huge, um, you know, compliment to your, to your team. So, you know, it depends on what, what you're looking for at any given time. Sometimes, um, you know, you, if you have all green people, you may not really need an, or want another green person. You might want some experience, but even though, you know, a lot of times we get entry-level you know, keepers applying for their first full-time job or their first full-time elephant job. And they don't have the years of experience to, to rely on. But I would still, I still ask them some questions that would be beyond their knowledge from the amount of work experience they have. I like to see a little bit of how much work they put into preparing for the interview itself. You know, I think if they're showing a work ethic and preparing for that interview, um, I, I interviewed somebody one time that um, we had a question about how they prepare for an elephant birth. You know, I've never had an elephant birth before, so I'd answer questions a certain way, and I and I you can educate yourself by talking to people, learning, um, going on the internet or whatever, and trying to find some information. But this woman answered the question like she's been through ten elephant births because she did the research and she put the work into learning. 
Now, if you put her in that situation, she probably would, you know, wouldn't be able to execute it, but they showed a commitment and uh, to go ahead and prepare for that interview. So I look a lot into even asking some tough questions um, and that part, part of their personality that how bad do they want it and how much work they're going to put into it, I think tells a lot about who they are as well. I mean, some of those questions that um, from the ideal team player that I like to ask because they're out of the ordinary, um, you know, one of them that sticks is, you know, to ask someone what, what people would say is your most annoying quality, you know, and then ask what annoys them. You'll see if they're going to be honest and, and, and real about it. I also like to know, um, you know, if they had jobs out of high school or in high school, kind of tells you what kind of work ethic they had if they were a go-getter from, from the beginning. Um, I just tend to stay away from the, the generic stuff. Also recently we started having everybody on the team that is available inter partake in the, in the interviews, uh, whether it's Zoom or Skype, and they have questions they can ask. And, you know, uh, one time we, we, uh, it wasn't an elephants, but it was uh, one of the large mammal teams. We all went around the room, you know, everyone on the team got to ask questions. They all wrote questions down. And I thought some of them were a complete waste of time, the questions asked, but it made the existing team feel feel uh, a part of it. And it gave you a real idea um, if this person would be a fit, but even more so it gave the person on the phone uh, an idea if they wanted to work with us. You know, is this is these the weirdos I want to come spend eight hours a day with, uh, you know, and, and I would hope most interviews um, do that same thing. They give the interviewee as much uh, much of a chance to gauge that this is the right culture and environment for them as, as it is uh, for the team already. I once interviewed someplace and I interviewed uh, with every department in the zoo. It was, a, it was an all eight hour day and it was 40 minutes with each team from facilities to pest control, to the vets, to the curators, to registrars, to admin, PR, you name it. And at the end of the day, I was kind of overwhelmed. And the, the director of the zoo said, uh, uh, the majority of this interview throughout the day was for you to see if, if this culture was a fit for you before you move across the country, if this is something you want or not. And that kind of stuck with me. I think it's a good idea to do that. I don't want to waste time and have someone come in and, and they don't, they realize early on that they're not a good fit for us. You know, one thing, um, you know, during, when I do an interview is that I kind of call it, someone's going to make a statement, you know, like, you know, um, I'm a great team player. I'm a, um, you know, I know a lot about opera conditioning. You know, when you make a statement or something like that, you have to be able to back it up. If you're going to, you know, throw out a training term or a husband term or, so, term or something like that, um, you might be asked, you know, explain what that term means to me. A lot of times people throw up buzzwords and, um, and they don't really understand it themselves. So I think, uh, you know, when I prepare for an interview or I give uh, interview advice to people is that if you're going to, you know, make a statement, make sure you can back it up because you may be asked why. Don't just say that you are this or you are that. Say why you are that, why you're, why you're a good team player or anything like that. A lot of people just kind of, everybody says the same thing, but not everybody actually backs it up and says why. You know, I think that you look back and, um, and you know, when it, when it was mentioned at the cover letter is, um, 
you know, everybody wants to know, what do I have to get to get my foot in the door? Because really when you send in your application, it's just to get your foot in the door. And I think a lot of us have been around long enough. We saw the trends, you know, one time is put a picture of yourself with a animal on your resume, have some paper that stands out and you got resumes with clouds in the background and stuff like that. And anybody tries to jump on the new trend and stuff like that. Um, you know, for me, it sometimes worked the complete opposite. You know, if I if I saw somebody with a monkey on the shoulder, you know, um, I, I wouldn't even read the read the um, read the cover letter. We move on like that as well. So I think a lot of times, um, you know, being kind of more concise and not to not to try to be gimmicky, at least for me, works the best. You know, try to get their, your foot in the door there because, you know, depending on the zoo, but you're gonna. You know, I just have a position open right now and it closes in a week and got like 130 applications, which I think can fail in comparison to some of your facilities that are a lot bigger. And, you know, try to get that outstanding thing out there. Um, you, besides um, the cover letters, anything else that you guys look at that you would say to somebody, hey, do this in your application to make me want to call you? I don't know. I mean... It's a feel thing. You know what I mean? For me, like when I'm sitting down looking at them, it's, you know, I read that. And then if it, if, if, if they get past the cover letter, then, you know, again, it's not, I don't have like a check mark on the list that I look for and, and things like that. I just, I just read them. And if, if the person seems worthy, I, I mean, I do have a no stack, a maybe stack and a yes stack. And then I'll go through, you know, the no's obviously go away. And then the maybes I'll go through again, you know, and I'll even, you know, marinate on those for a week or two and just keep going back to them, you know, just to make sure those people get a fair shake. Um, so that there's that process. But other than that, I mean, I don't necessarily say like, oh, they have, they can drive a bobcat check. You know, I don't, I just don't do that. But. Well, I think the big thing with, with resumes, when we talk about resumes themselves, that's sort of step one. And a lot of the things that have already been said in this conversation are, are the intangibles and frankly, the more important things that you start to ascertain once you either talk to somebody or meet somebody. You know, those are the things that are that are, I think, you know, become more important when you talk about team fit and personality and that sort of thing. I think, though, if you're um, if you're talking about the resume in itself, I do. Yes. I, I, I mean, personally, when I've written resumes, I put a lot of time into my cover letter. So I think it, it's it's a little bit more. Um, you know, you can go, um, you know, with anything, even a cover letter, you can go on, you know, websites and they'll tell you how to, how to write them and what you should put and what format and everything. But, you know, there, to me, it's, it's, there's content. And the other thing that's really important is whatever you put on your resume. And especially as, as I get older and been in the business longer is be, be honest, you know, be honest about what you put on there, because, you know, if you're trying to break into, you know, the zoo business or whatever, I mean, either either we know or we know someone who knows right so the big thing is is don't 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 indulge you know just just be honest because it sometimes that becomes pretty transparent and then you kind of then you got to figure out with this person you know it gives you something else to think about that you really shouldn't have to think about I, i'd like to have you know a solid foundation of you know some sort of demonstrated experience or some sort of demonstrated work ethic and that'll get your foot in the door to get a conversation and then the conversation is is really the telltale um you know the telltale things that we're looking for to see if this person would be good what you said about you know be honest it 
there's not a person that has experience that's applying at one of our four places that we don't know somebody that has worked with them. If you're applying for elephants right now, I guarantee you between the four of us, we know one, one phone call, you know, someone that has been in contact with that person and, and can speak for their behalf, at least how they work, whether it's an intern, a volunteer, if they're in the elephant business, definitely in North America and maybe even stretched a little further, it ain't going to take a whole lot. So be honest and don't think that uh, if you're an asshole, you could run away from your problems and apply somewhere else, at least in elephants. It might work um, in a different, uh, with if you come from working with a different species, but the fact that you know people in elephant barns at, you know, 70 some different institutions in North America, chances are you can then be in touch for just about any position in the zoo, so. It's, it's true, like if, if I get, to, if I'm looking at a cover letter or a resume and I see one of your zoos listed there, I don't read another word, man. I'm picking up my phone and I'm calling you guys. But I mean, that's true whether it's not one of ours or not. If it's a zoo <laughs> that has elephants mm -hmm. and someone applied to it. Yeah, true enough. If you see a resume and you notice, say this was somebody that hasn't trying to get their full, first full-time job, you see internship after internship. Part of me, at certain times I look at that and say, wow, that person is really committed to trying to get a job in this field and they're dumping around the country to do whatever it takes to get a full-time job. But then sometimes a part of me says, well, they've done four internships and they haven't got a job yet. What's going on here? You know, is that a something that you think multiple internships is um, appealing to you or, or not appealing? For me, it depends on like the age, if they're still in school or, or, you know, if it was four internships because one was, you know, the first quarter of the summer, if they knew going into it, it was, it was, that's all it was. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely lifelong internship people. Um, and then there's people that are lifelong interns because they'll never be a good keeper. And I guess it's hard to weed those two out, but the fact that they keep trying usually will at least get a second look for me. Yeah. I mean, I think if the, if the internships demonstrate, you know, that they were able to get some experience, I'm okay with it. And I mean, if, if it seems a little bit weird or suspect, if it turns out, if it turns into a, you know, a personal conversation, then I might ask about it. But ultimately I think it's better to have some experience you know, to use the uh, internships as an experience, a way to build some experience anyway, of, you know, like I said before, a foundation of, of something to build off of, even if you can, you know, you start to, um, you start to identify with, with a philosophy or, or, a, or, 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 you know, a, you know, management philosophy or, a, or, you know, a work philosophy or something like that. So I think it's good to be exposed to those things. I don't know that too many is a bad thing. I, I mean, I've never come across anybody who had so many, internships that it made me you know pause or anything but like i said if if it seemed weird i would ask and you know on, on the flip side of that if, if i was interviewing somewhere at, and i was an intern and i didn't get the job if it's a place i interned at i would certainly ask my supervisor why i'd ask for feedback and i've i've done that professionally uh there's been jobs that i've applied for in the last you know 15 years um some that uh, uh, I pulled out of and some that I just didn't get. And after them, almost all of them 
if I knew the, if I knew someone there or even, you know, had more than just one interview, I would, I would inquire, you know, are there things I could have done better? Are there things you look for differently? Uh, Cause I want to know, you know, if I'm going to do this again, I want to know. And even if I'm staying, I'm happy where I'm at. I want to know because it's going to make me better in the long run. So I often reach back out to see what I can do better. You know, we, we have a, you know, my current facility, we have a process that whenever we um, interview anybody internally, um, every manager is required to go back and give interview feedback to the, the applicant that we're not successful. And sometimes, you know, um, you kind of want it to be fresh instead of having to do eight people after three days of interviews. A lot of times it was really weird at first. We'd ask the last question, you know, hey, any questions for us? No. Okay, now we're going to talk about your interview and give them feedback immediately. It was really weird to start off with, but it's, it's amazing to realize um, how beneficial it was because when you have an internal candidate, again, apply for a position and you see that they took the information and the feedback you gave them and used it to make them a better candidate, that says a lot as well. They can learn, they can listen and adapt um, to the feedback that they, they gave them. So. Um, that was a new thing for me when I went to this facility, but that's something that I hope that I would encourage all facilities to, to do that because especially for your internal candidates, because, um, you know, they're your employees, you want to invest in them, you want them to be successful as well. But with that being said, we don't do it for external people. And quite honestly, my HR department wouldn't probably let me do that um, for ex external people in the fear of, you um, using that as a possible you know, litigation thing of why they didn't get to um, So this may be a tangent a little bit, but I know uh, in the intern, pro we, we don't obviously have an internship program in the elephant department now, but the one I managed before when we had interns, we actually did an interview with them at the end so they could learn how to interview. Um, so again, if you're, in, if you're listening and you're in an internship program, maybe you know, ask that person that's your mentor or whatever you want to call it, uh, hey, can we do a mock interview? And you can give me feedback after that as well. So that might help. Um, the, the problem I have nowadays with interviews is, you know, all these people, all this information's on the internet. So they have a, they have a stock answer for every question. So um, like I was saying earlier, I like to go off the script. I'll ask random ass questions. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? You know, just to see how they react to different situations. Um, one question that we ask that throws everybody off is name one thing that somebody else is better at. Yep, so do we. And it bothers you. Yeah. Uh, that throws everybody for a tizzy. But again, you want to get them off their rocker, you know, and kind of... Um, see who they actually are and you're never going to get that by asking what's your best strength what's your greatest weakness oh my weakness is the same as my strength yeah. <laughs> it's the same shit over and over you know so um, my biggest I, weakness I, is i work so hard yeah <laughs> but it's also my strength too yeah you so, know um we asked that exact same question i think that's a question from pat's thing about maybe it, it may be respect uh, yeah. It does something better than you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah, humble. It throws people off for sure. Yeah. But now everybody's going to come up with an answer for it. But <laughs> what's that question again? Says, Name one thing that somebody else is better than you at and it really bothers you. I mean, we, we phrase it as someone you respect that does yeah. something better than you. Yeah. 
but it has to show that they're humble and the fact that, you know, somebody does something better than them, you know? Yeah, let's talk about biggest turnoffs, right? So for me, it's somebody that uses possessives. So like my barn, at my barn, we do this, uh, my elephants, this, that will get you, I'll, I'll, I zone out as soon as you do that. The other thing for me too, or I'll zone out, and I think I can, I can speak for all of us on this, is somebody that just rambles and rambles and rambles. Like, get, yep. get, don't get to the, get to the point and, and just answer relatively quick and simple, you know, um, anyhow. We, uh, <laughs> we actually just, we just actually hired someone like that. And that was my biggest feedback, not an elephant. That was my biggest feedback after the, the, uh, interview was everything was I did this and because of me you know there was no we you didn't say we or us once it was always me and I but I think part of that has to do with age too younger people you know that don't know any better so I think some hopefully some coaching goes on with that but yeah the I and the me and the my oh boy we we just interviewed somebody and I always ask where they hope to be in five years and ten years and also ideal world you know Five years from now, where do you hope to be? You know, both times it was had nothing to do with elephants <laughs> at all, and um, so that was that was tough to swallow. If it takes you, you know, some time to get into the program and get into the groove of stuff and get in with the team, and then you you plan on moving on to do something else. And granted, I think sometimes when people start working with animals um, in general, that their longer term plans might change. But then later on, I asked, um, you know, what he hopes what he hopes to get out of it from us. And it, it was all about furthering his career in something other than working at a zoo or with elephants. And it was a turnoff for me pretty early on, but we went through the motions and finished it out. Always, um, we usually always ask a lot of a question about um, what can you tell us about, about us? You know, um, we wanted to see if they, um, you know, are we just one of the five facilities that they just threw a resume in and try to do a stock answer for every single one? I like to see an applicant put some effort in more than just maybe perusing a website or something like that. Because, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of information out there. They can learn a lot about that facility and they can tell us something about our facility that really illustrates that they are very interested and not only about our facilities, about our location, you know, the city, you know, my, the city that they're going to, to work in. And they just show as well that they put some work into and some interest. Um, you know, if they're, oh, they're also interested in the facility location you are in, that could be an indication too that they're looking to do a little bit more of a long-term um, commitment as well. So I like to see a little bit of, um, and work into us and the surrounding area. Yeah, I agree with that. We always ask why, why us? What brings you here? What makes us different than somewhere else? Um, you know, the people, it's funny you say that because a lot of times when I hear people say, oh, well, my, my, I got family that lives in that town. So that's why and oftentimes it would be a little bit of a turnoff for me because um, they're moving here for the wrong reasons. In my opinion, I want them to move here because you know, they, they have an interest in elephants or whatever species they're moving in and they think they can learn from our program and be an asset to the program down the road. Uh, but it's a good point, what you said, that, you know, if they have family here, it probably 
means that they might be more likely to to stay stay longer. But I, I think that's a double-edged sword. So I used to say this, and I still say this, is if you're gonna hire somebody that's from, you know, wherever you're wherever you're working, if you're gonna hire somebody that's from like you better hope they're a good fit. Cause if they're not, you're not leaving. You're not stuck with them. Yeah, but they're not going nowhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I used to tell that in OKC, I would be like, if the person's from Oklahoma, they better be the right fit. Because if not, we're they're, they're not going to leave. And that's unless we want to, you know, do the documentation and go through that whole motion, right? But, um, but, but if they're from out of town, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe they'll just uh, move on with their lives. But anyhow, <laughs> just kind of a funny story. Do you guys like to, or do you ever hire from within? Yeah, so I, I, I would prefer to hire from within. So I have a couple of theories on that, right? I think, especially when it comes to like a promotion or something, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of hiring within, especially if the program's going well. You know, if things are going well and, and, and going along good and you're going to promote that next person to just continue to, to you know, run that well-oiled machine per se, um, I would always prefer to hire from within. Now, if you're looking for a change and things aren't quite how you want them and, you know, you want to bring in somebody with new thoughts and things like that, I think that's when I would reach out and uh, bring somebody in from the outside. So when I hear hire from within, I, I guess I looked, I thought of it differently because, you know, promoting from within, absolutely. Hiring from within, I think of someone from a different department in the same group, you know, and, uh, we definitely always interview them, but um, we're also a lot more critical because we know a lot about the people and whether they'll be a good fit. Um, this We're going through the pr process right now of bringing somebody in to our program, and it's the first time in a long time, maybe 10 years, that we are hiring somebody that is a complete unknown. We've always hired people that have interned, volunteered, done whatever. I mean, what better way to know if they're going to be a good fit or not than to have them intern or volunteer with you for, for a couple months. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this works out when it's definitely 100% fresh blood. Yeah, I'm a big fan of hiring in um, internal as well. And for a lot of us, it's our, it could be our part-timers. We only get a whole lot of people um, swapping departments, but trying to get a full-time job. And really I look at, you know, these, these people are, um, Every day they come into work, they're interviewing for a job. You know, literally, unless they come in and start throwing profanities and tossing things around in the interview, the interview doesn't mean a whole lot because they've already interviewed um, every day that they're in there. And it's really, but the reverse can be true. You know, it's it's their job to take and to earn. If they show that they don't want that opportunity, they're not taking and running with that ball, then um, that's gonna that's gonna hurt them, and it's, they're not gonna be successful internally. Then they'll probably have to go external. Yeah, no, I mean you hit the nail on the head because I say this to interns. I say this to myself every day, honestly. Um, but usually when we get interns or people, um, new part timers, new 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 people to the field, I always tell them every day is an interview. If you have that mentality that every day is an interview, you know you'll get that job, and and that's something I live by just even myself, you know, every day is an audition is what I say audition um, for that next promotion or that next job opening or whatever it is. So I think it's important for people that are new to the business to understand that every day you're auditioning for the next job or the promotion. 
So you got to put, you got to put everything you have into it every day. And then how do you know if they're going to be a good trainer from the interview? You don't, you don't yeah. at all. I often ask if they have pets at home and what they're, if they think they're well-behaved and if they are, why? And if they're not, why? But, but even when you, even when you start asking those questions, you know, somebody that read don't shoot the dog can answer a bunch of good questions, you know, can answer a bunch of questions that you ask. And that, that bears no uh, real, you know, um, vision on, on what kind of trainer they'll be when, in, in a practical sense once they, you know, hit the barn floor. So, you know, it, it's, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah but, I don't know how you can tell that, but given, given the choice of somebody that at least took the time to read Don't Shoot a Dog and somebody that didn't do that, it's something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you can at all in an interview um, know whether they're going to be a good trainer or not. Well, and again, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's something that's going to be specific to that program too. I mean, all the four of us all train elephants a little bit different, you know, and so I think that's something that that's just part of teaching a new employee and their roadmap to success is learning the training program and how you do it specifically and, and all of that. So, I, I mean, I don't necessarily even care if the person's ever trained because even if they have 20 years of experience, they're going to start with the bridge and feeding and, and a reinforcement schedule, you know what I mean? And, and so they may progress a lot faster, but they're still going to start the same way, no matter what. So, um, and then build to our program what we do, you know. At, at times, do you see um, a lot of experience possibly in being a detrimental thing? Because, um, you know, depending on what program they come from, um, you know, do you ever look like there's a lot of experience that's so gonna be difficult for them to maybe possibly deprogram them, you know? So yeah. I think there's a lot of advantages, but what do you guys think does it ever work against somebody? Of course it does. I, but, but again, it depends on the person and, and if they're ready to come in with a fresh start, you know, if they have 20 years somewhere else, sometimes it's, it, it takes time to unwind that if, if it's different than what you do it, but that person, you know, you have to look at it in a positive way too. They're going to bring uh, different scenarios and different experiences as well that can help your program. Um, so again, it's not just the training aspect. Again, we always focus on that, but um so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I tell the story all the time of like training people. I compare them to like one time I was working with this giraffe who hadn't gone in the shoot for like 20 years. And everybody's like, you're a great trainer. You can get them to go in there in you know, two days. And it's like, I got 20 years of history that I'm that, where, where they would ask the giraffe to go in the shoot. It would say no. So then they just open another door and let it out. Like, like, that's what I'm finding. Like, I'm not going to do this in like two weeks, you know, it's going to take a long time. So I think if you have somebody and you do have to unwind it, you kind of have to look at it as a long-term approach. If they're a good person and fit all the, the cultural criteria and all that. Yeah. You know, and then just know that it might be a process, you know, to get them to, to ease, to, to do it a different way. Um, or you adapt to them, you know, if they, if they come in and they know what they're doing, you know, Plus, it's a giraffe, right? Sometimes you don't want to get inside their heads at the rabbit hole, man. That's, you know. Thank you for once again listening to this edition of Packy Chat. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Again, Packy Chat's all about just conversation. Take things you heard, uh, things that might work for you, and use them. That's great. Things you don't agree with, well, that's okay, too. We're not here to tell you there's one way to do it. We're just here to start conversation and have some thought. Once again, 
Thanks a lot for listening to Packy Chat. We appreciate you listening. 